Hello and welcome back for another edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. This is your host, Brian Metzer, and it's great to be here with you for this March 30th edition of the show. We, uh, we're winding down on the regular season here. We have just uh, one week or so, a little bit more than a week left in the regular season. The season will end on April 9th, and boy... These Stanley Cup playoffs are going to be a blast. But before we get into anything else, let me thank our uh, our friends Chip Demonic for playing us in, as always. A little bit new intro on the show for you today. We had referee Mike Lego telling Chip and the boys they had to cut the music, and then uh, it's time to make some radio. So um, always fun to put that kind of thing together, and uh, it's fun to do this show for you. But... We have a big show lined up for you. Not only are we going to run through the week in Penguins hockey, and it has been an interesting one to say the least, probably the worst week Mike Sullivan has had behind the bench since he took over last December, or two Decembers ago now, Uh, not last December, because that would be in 16. We're talking about December of 15. Before we go anywhere else, let's tell you where you can find this show and all that we do. You can look us up at timesonline.com itself. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher Radio. And, of course, you can find us on SoundCloud. Simply search Beaver County Times, and you'll find everything that we do there at those, um, or in terms of our podcasts. For written word and everything else, you want to look at timesonline.com or follow at timescores on Twitter. For my uh, all my work, follow me on Twitter at Brian underscore Metzer. That's where you'll also send me your your questions for this show and everything else that you want to um, touch base with me about on social media. Please do look me up over there. But let's jump right into the hockey talk here. And uh, it, it has been a trying week, as I said. Penguins have lost four straight games for the first time since the first four games that Mike Sullivan coached behind the Penguins bench. Uh, and I would say these four dare I say, looked a little worse than those four. And that team was a a completely different version than it is today. But uh, they lost those four games. It didn't look too good by any means. They scored just seven goals over that span, which ranks 24th in the league. They've allowed 15, which is the fourth highest over that span. The defense looks depleted. The forwards look tired. The goaltenders being hung out to dry. They've allowed some bad goals in there as well. I thought Marc-Andre Fleury was going to be a little bit of a stopper for them last night based on how he'd been playing in March. Not to be the case. Yes, uh, he didn't get much support. I don't want to beat him up too much for allowing five. But at the same time, there were two goals at least that I felt like he shouldn't have allowed that he needed to make saves on. They still would have lost 3-1, so that's neither here nor there. But you just uh, sometimes you need a guy to come in and be the stopper. But there was not a whole lot of support for he or Matt Murray all week long. Still think Marc-Andre Fleury's playing some of his finest hockey of the season. Now let's take a quick look at those four games one by one just to talk about some of the things that, um, that uh, weren't working out so well. It was first the Ottawa game. Penguins blow a one nothing lead in that one. Then they have to settle for the quote-unquote loser's point. So that was just a scenario where, um, I don't know, I I was okay with it at the time because, you know, you're thinking, here we go, it's an isolated situation. Yes, they blew a lead, but they're on the road. Things might still be okay. Things are working out. And uh, that brought us to the Islanders game on Friday of last week where the Penguins blew another 1-0 lead, 
had to claw back from a 2-1 deficit and a 3-1 deficit. They allowed a late goal to Casey Sezikis in the second period with less than a minute left, essentially five seconds left, and everybody just sort of quit on the play, which drove me crazy because you've got to play till you hear the buzzer. you got to play till you hear the whistle, anything like that. I know that's cliched, but you can't just stop. And on that play, everybody just sort of stopped. They thought the period was just going to tick away. There was going to be no, uh, no play to be made, but... Uh, Casey Sezikis had other ideas, and he put a puck in uh, in the back of the net behind Marc-Andre Fleury. Then you saw that happen again against the Philadelphia Flyers, who just really beat the Penguins up. It was just a, a bad scenario. And be, well, Before I get into that, I did want to mention there technically were two late goals in the Islanders game. The Sezikis won, but then Anders Lee scored at the end of the first period. They were uh, helped by... Um, a review there. It was uh, overturned and they didn't get that goal. But um, that was two technically in that game. Cameron Gauntz, though, was the silver lining. I wanted to mention that. Cameron Gauntz had a very, very nice game against the New York Islanders. He scored a goal, had a nice assist on a um, Matt Cullen goal to tie the game to get the, the, the game tied back up at three. And uh, it was one of those things that you say, okay, this kid could be a contributor moving forward, but he... he sort of dipped a little bit, I would say, after that. So that's why uh, a couple of times you see players that just don't stick in the National Hockey League in those circumstances. They, they come in for spot duty, and then they move on. But uh, that brought us into the Flyers game, who just absolutely dismantled the cross-state rival Pittsburgh Penguins. I, I really anticipated them being better against the Flyers in this one, and it ended up being one of their worst performances in recent memory only to be surpassed by what happened against the Chicago Blackhawks. But they lost 6-2 to to Philadelphia. Flyers just were scoring goal after goal after goal, it seemed. I mean, it was a much closer game, I would say, for two periods, two-plus periods, but then Flyers just ran away with it. Uh, Patrick Hornquist did get a late goal in the game to make it a little bit more reasonable, but for the most part, Penguins were just taken apart by the Flyers. There was a situation in this game where, oh, they allowed a late goal again. That's what I started to say a moment ago. Jordan Wheel the um, highly touted AHL player who was you know, one of the best scorers in the American Hockey League, finally getting a little bit of an opportunity with the Flyers this season. And uh, he scored with less than a minute left in a period to um, just uh, give his team a, a, a fighting chance because at that point in time when that goal was scored, it was a big moment for them because the Penguins were leading again. It was another time that they blew a one nothing lead. It was a goal by Matt Cullen on the power play, just 431 in, but Wheel scored at 19.05 to give his team a 1-1 tie, and then from there, it was pretty much all flyers. Which brings us uh, to, oh, Cameron Gauntz got into a fight with Brandon Manning, which was revenge for the hit that he laid on Jake Gensel back in the stadium series game. I, I thought that was kind of unnecessary, especially because Cameron Gauntz isn't known much for fighting, and Brandon Manning sort of beat the snot out of him. That's something you don't really like to see too much of, but it happened. It was a, a bad scenario for him. And, um, you know, I give him credit for trying to open eyes in another way, but that's just something that uh, didn't really benefit the Penguins. And in, in vintage Flyers fashion, they said that the, uh, the fight turned the tide of that game, which I thought was hilarious because did you expect anything less? From them, that's essentially what you're always going to hear. Will the fight turn the tide? Well, we'll always have the shush moment here in Pittsburgh. That fight turned the tide in the Penguins' favor, and it was one in which Matt uh, Max uh, Talbot lost. So uh, 
I don't know. I, I It's just funny that the Flyers are going to look at a fight as a turning point. I would say it was just the Penguins not playing well that was the turning point. But anyway, I digress. That brought us into uh, the Chicago Blackhawks game on Wednesday night. And I put off recording this show a day because I wanted to see what happened against the Chicago Blackhawks. I should have recorded the show yesterday because it just ended up being a debacle of monumental proportions. It just, it was ugly. The first period especially. Penguins did sort of tighten things up through the second and third periods. But the first period was just ugly, ugly hockey. They did not have their legs under them. They didn't look good. They allowed four goals in that first period. Two of them coming over the final minute of play over a span of 39 seconds. You just can't do that. Especially against a team like the Blackhawks. You're not going to overcome a four-goal deficit. And I know Sidney Crosby said uh, at that point they hit the locker room. They were feeling pretty good about where they were. But... At the same time, it just wasn't a, uh, you're not going to score five on the Chicago Blackhawks the way that they're playing. And I felt like they had something to prove, too. They came out all guns blazing because they had just lost uh, a horrible game to the Florida Panthers two games ago, seven to nothing. They were shut out, and that left a pretty bad taste in their mouths. Then they went into Tampa Bay and lost five to four in overtime. They weren't very happy about that one. And, uh, you know, you just. You can't do that against teams like the the Chicago Blackhawks and anticipate having success. You just can't do it. So uh, it was an ugly first period. I know the uh, – I called it their worst game of the season. So did many of the others that I was sitting around up in the press box last night. And uh, it's just – it's one that we won't soon forget, and I hope they won't soon forget it because it, it – you could see the heads not, – not hanging. They were disappointed, I, I will say. They were definitely disappointed in the locker room, but they weren't hanging heads in the way that you would think like they were feeling beaten. It was more of a frustrated disappointment uh, where they were just not happy with the way they played. To a man, every guy, including Coach Mike Sullivan, pretty much said it just wasn't what they anticipate doing. And I do feel like the injuries took a large toll on them. It's starting to really catch up to them. I know they got Connor Sheary back after thinking he might be out with a lower body injury. Also, Chad Rowedel was back in the lineup last night against the Chicago Blackhawks. But um, they still are, are very much depleted right now. And they have lost 170 man games over just the last 38 games. And when you do that, that's just something that's very hard to overcome. And that is overall now for the season. When you take the 170, based on what they had earlier, it was uh, they're up to 251 in terms of man games lost. So 251 man games lost, 170 of them just in the last 38 games. And a lot of them have been primetime players too. Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Carl Hagelin. He's a huge reason for successful penalty kills. He's a great four checker. I know he's not having a good offensive year when he was in the lineup, but having him out hurts. Uh, Letang, as I just said a second ago, that's a a huge impact on this lineup just based on everything that he does. And simply getting him back is going to be such a trickle-down effect on this lineup because it will allow Justin Schultz to play a few less minutes. It allows Brian Dumoulin to play a few less minutes. And it lets guys fall into more comfortable roles. You can have Ian 
Cole and Schultz back on your number two pair with Chris Letang in the lineup, skating with Brian Dumoulin, giving you your pretty much your top four intact, and then you can mishmash a little bit in your bottom pairing. So for me, that's huge, missing some of those guys. Also, you got Jake Gensel out of the lineup. You've seen Patrick Hornquist miss significant time. You've seen um, top ranked uh, scorers in this lineup. It was overall, when you look at just the guys in their top 12 scorers, you've seen Sheary, Schultz, Hornquist, Cullen, Rust, Malkin, Latang, Gensel, all missed time. And when you look at it, Gino still ranks second on the team in scoring. Chris Latang ranks seventh still. And these guys haven't played in a very long time. So what's that tell you about the team and how it's been able to score? It's been an impact. Jake Gensel, played minimal games this year as uh, overall in terms of when he was called up. He ranks 12th on the team in scoring, even after missing now a handful of games. So Matt Cullen sort of addressed the injury bug and what's been going on last night. He said, I think we all understand these are pretty extenuating circumstances right now, but I think we have a lot of faith and a lot of confidence in our group and our core group. We understand that this is a bit of a bumpy road, but the ultimate goal is to go out there and believe in what we have. Obviously, we need to shore up our game or shore our game up. We have six more here to get our game in the right place and to get ready for the playoffs. We have a lot of guys that understand what it takes to win, it's on the group to find a way. And he's right. I mean, that's I, – I feel like – and I wrote about this in times for timesonline.com over the weekend or into Monday. Cameron Gauntz made a comment to me with a question that I asked him uh, about fatigue and the injuries catching up. And he goes, for him, what was impressive is just to see the mental toughness of this team. These guys in the locker room have been able to maintain their mental fortitude – They've not really broken down in that way. And he said that's impressive. You can see why they were able to win the Stanley Cup last year because for all of the, um, you know, just uh, the problems that you've seen them go through and the pain and the anguish and, and just all of this adversity, they always seem to find a way to come through. Yes, this four-game stretch is an ugly bump in the road, specifically when you mix it in with the uh, the two-game losing streak that preceded their last three-game losing streak. So they've now lost six of their last nine games. That's not what you want to do when you were trying to compete for the President's Trophy and the top seed in the Eastern Conference. But you can sort of understand what is going on. They're going to work through it. They'll find a way. They're going to get some bodies back. So Avoid the bridges. Don't go leaping off of them just yet because I've seen a whole lot of panic all around Penguins Nation on Twitter, Facebook, social media, the radio airwaves. I mean, there's people just, you know, panicking galore. And I, I get it. I do understand. But at the same time, you got to realize we still, and I say this every single weekend on the Saturday morning radio show we do on the Penguins Radio Network, Penguins Live Weekly. We still don't know what this Pittsburgh Penguins group is. And with a mishmash of bodies and all these injuries, they're still right there among the best teams in the league. They, that, that's some, there's something to be said for that. That's a pretty special accomplishment that they've been able to pull that off with all of these injuries. Now, the thing for me, though, what was tough about watching last night, it didn't seem like there was much pride in performance for the team last night. Now, that's not to say that went for every player, but... You would think with so many young guys and players getting their first crack at this, they would have been maybe a little bit more up for making an impact last night. And it just, it simply didn't happen. I didn't see a whole lot of that. And um, that's what was most disappointing because when you get that vibe, like they just, not that, I don't want to say it was I don't care attitude. That's definitely not the case with this team. But there was just not a whole lot of attention to detail. 
There wasn't a whole lot of moving their feet. There was a whole lot of getting beat badly by odd man rushes, and they just did not have their A game. Uh, it was not even their their D, you know, their D E F G or H game. I mean, it was probably pushing a Z effort, and you can't have that. But I, I, I'm a little concerned when I don't see that win-at-all-cost mentality and see that slipping away. So that's something they've got to work on. Young guys just aren't having the impact that they did a little while back. Maybe the call-ups are starting to lose that adrenaline rush. And speaking of that, Oscar Sundquist, Josh Archibald, and David Warsawski have all been reassigned. Maybe that speaks to some health on the horizon. We will see. I hope that's what it is. Um, Mike Sullivan did have some, some pretty good answers last night, though. Um, he was talking about you know, when you're asking guys to take on a bigger role, how do you keep them from trying to do too much? And he said, it's not easy sometimes. We're asking guys to step up and play more significant minutes. It's great opportunities for players to take advantage um, of an opportunity to play more of a significant role. We've been doing this for quite a while. Some nights I think we've done a pretty good job. Other nights we haven't played within ourselves. And as a result, sometimes it hurts us. That was a great quote, and he elaborated on it a little bit more. Uh, I think he will work with these guys. He'll get them all on the same page. It's just something that they got to try and, and work through a little bit more. But he was asked then, do you agree that injuries are catching up? He said, I believe we have we have what it takes to win. I believe we have enough. We understand that some of the guys we have out of the lineup are difficult to replace. They're good players. We understand that. But we also believe we have what it takes to win that's where our focus needs to be. We can't control the other stuff. What we can't control is the lineup that goes into each game or into the into the game each and every night. So look for him to tweak a little bit. I'm not going to be surprised to watch him juggle lines, shuffle things around a little bit, and just find ways to maybe get a little bit more out of this group. He asked if confidence was, or he was asked if there was, uh, if confidence is an issue with this group right now, and he said, "I'm sure it is a little bit, but I think confidence is a fleeting thing. You can get it back just as fast as you lose it." And that's why I think Mike Sullivan is a good coach, because he comes up with these nuggets. That's true. Confidence does come back in a hurry. You get a little bit of success going, you start to feel pretty confident. And that doesn't go for one guy. That bleeds through the the entire group. Now, he said it starts with the details of your game and focusing on the details, not getting overwhelmed by the circumstances. That's what we have to do. We've got to focus on just trying to play the game the right way. And uh, he elaborated from there, as he so often does and went on. He did... Uh, answer the question too. He was asked about Mark Andre Fleury and why he um, why he chose to leave him in the game last night. He said the rationale was that I wanted us to compete as a team, to respond as a team. We talked about it in between periods. We thought as a coaching staff that it made sense to keep him in and everybody to battle together to fight back into the game. And I think they did do a nice job of closing down the Hawks through the second and third. They did allow another goal. But at the end of the day, they played a lot better than they did in the first period. That first period's what left the foul taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, let's get to your Twitter questions here. And of course, I have one from my good friend Needles Heel. Chris asks us, there's a lot to like about the NHL. It's the best league for the great game of hockey. One thing I still don't care for is the NHL injury policy. Unlike other pro sports leagues, the NHL injury disclosure policy is a joke, says Chris, and comes off rather childish. Trying to get the specifics about an injured player is like trying to get the secrets from the CIA. Fans are relegated to answers from the hockey clubs they support to such as, or uh, yes, such as lower body or upper body. For me, that's uh, something he doesn't like. And he said, why is it like this? Do you ever see it changing? Also, you're big into fantasy hockey. Look at how big fantasy football has become. Doesn't disclosure 
with NHL injuries impact the growth for fantasy hockey too? Well, yeah, I do think it does impact fantasy sports in a big way because if you don't know what the status of a guy is, you may avoid him. You may you may not want to make a trade for him or something like that. Whereas in the NFL, as you just said, when they do reveal specifics about an injury, you know pretty much what you're getting. If you want to try and trade for an injured guy or something like that, that comes in handy. But generally speaking, and we talk about this a lot, Chris, up in the press box. For us, I think it comes down to now you can make this case in football too, which is why I think it's not a good or it's not a valid argument. But in hockey, the fact that there's so many slashes and people with sticks and essentially walking around with a weapon on the ice, they don't want to come right out and say what a specific injury is because guys would not hesitate to target it be it a butt end under in like a little pile up, maybe throw a butt end into a guy's injured area if he has a bad hip or something like that, slash him in the groin if they know he has a groin injury, maybe check him in a certain way, try and hit an arm or a hand or something that they know about. So I, usually I will say this, and this isn't fair, but if you can pinpoint the game that a guy was hurt in, you can usually go back to some video that the NHL makes available on their website by the because they keep a, a database of all the games now. You can go back and watch past games. They're very great about doing that. You can almost take it down to the exact spot where a guy was hurt, and you can figure out where or how that injury occurred. So um, that sort of helps a little bit when you're dealing with upper body or lower body. So generally speaking, that's where I think that comes from. I don't like it either. It's something that I'm not a big fan of, but we'll see what happens moving forward. I don't think it's going to change. If it does, it's going to have to change in the next collective bargaining agreement, which is not going to be negotiated here for a little while. Uh, The GMs would have to come to terms on it as well, Board of Governors, all these things. So um, I agree. I don't like the injury policy. It's so mysterious, and teams do a masterful job of keeping things a secret. Look at Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin right now. We know what Gino's issue is. It was a shoulder bruise, but is there something else? We'll never know. And in terms of Chris Letang, we still don't know what his injury was. It's very frustrating. So I'm with you. I don't see it changing, but uh, that's my take on that. Don't forget, you can get in on this and get me a question for this show at any point. Uh, I will get it on a future edition of the podcast. All you have to do is tweet me with the hashtag BCTPensPod. That's B-C-T-P-E-N-S-P-O-D. And we will get your question here on the program. Lastly, let's get you your news of the weird here in this one. Talking about horsepower, this is a four-legged fugitive. Take They take free reign on a California highway. This is in Walnut Creek, California. That Mustang in the rearview mirror turned out to be a real horse running on a northern California highway, and he was followed by a mule. Commuters east of San Francisco on Monday were stunned to see a white horse and a brown mule running across Interstate 680. Steve Birdo in Contra Costa uh, County Animal Services says the animals broke through a fence about a mile away. The pair adhered to the vehicle code and used an on-ramp to get on the highway. Authorities shut down lanes shortly before 7.30 a.m. as motorists shot cell phone video and officers rounded up the four-legged fugitives. Birdo says the horse, a gelding named Stryker, appears to have led the breakout. He says Hank the Mule is more of a follower. Well, come on, Hank. Don't be a follower. Be a leader, but that is some horsepower, and it was seen on a highway in California. And that was your news of the weird. And with that, we wrap up another edition of the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. It was great to be here with you today. Always a lot of fun putting this show together, and 
We'll be doing it all the way through the rest of the regular season, Stanley Cup playoffs, and likely beyond. You know how we roll. We go all the way through the draft, essentially. I don't know if we'll have enough content to cover if the Penguins don't make a sustained playoff run all the way through June like they did last year, but something tells me, based on the way that I tend to ramble, we will have plenty to talk about because the offseason is just as intriguing as the regular season and playoffs. And something tells me these Penguins with some people on the horizon in terms of coming back are going to be able to make another sustained playoff run. Even if it doesn't result in another Stanley Cup, which would be back-to-back, I'm sure they will find a way to uh, give us plenty of uh, just intrigue along the way. And that will be all of the fodder we'll need to bring you this show week in and week out. So I once again, thank you. Appreciate you listening. We will be here next Wednesday with another edition, so you better be there or be less than circular for the Times Online Pittsburgh Penguins podcast. No,